Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hadley and welcome to another edition of the Viewfinder Podcast. While society's wealthy class revels in the supposedly fantastic lifestyle that comes with having an obscene amount of money, the average Joe and Jane try, with frequently disappointing results, to join their upper-class counterparts by participating in that ultimate all-or-nothing game of chance called The Lottery. In writer-director Steve Harrell's latest short film, Waimea, an average Joe and Jane, or to be more accurate, an average couple named Rick and Vivian, played respectively by Kevin Kolak and Patricia Damon, think that their money problems may have finally disappeared when they buy what turns out to be a winning lottery ticket. When the ticket itself vanishes, Rick finds more than his financial security jeopardized as he races to escape not only his wife's wrath, but also everyone who's aiming to snatch away their unclaimed windfall. Will their hope for excursion to sunny Waimea, Hawaii also disappear? Only Rick can prevent that from happening. Now, the ongoing coronavirus pandemic has forced film festivals, large and small, to shift their annual cinema showcases to online-only events. That reality has also affected independent films like Waimea and the talents behind them, as Harold and Kolak will discuss in the interview you'll hear shortly. Nevertheless, Waimea recently streamed during one of several short film blocks during this year's virtual version of the Jersey Shore Film Festival. I should also note that we recorded this conversation last Friday, which is why you'll hear references to the film's then-upcoming appearance at the festival. Waimea is the latest film partnership between Harold and Kolak, who began their collaboration all the way back in 1999 on Harold's offbeat comedy H.R. Pukenchet. Their most recent teaming was on the award-winning 2018 film Death of an Umbrella Salesman. That hilarious short starred Kolak as a beleaguered door-to-door umbrella peddler whose sales efforts are laughably sabotaged by a cavalcade of wacky would-be customers. Steve and Kevin are both great guys and amazingly talented, and I'm honored to have them join me on this week's podcast. What is Waimea about, and besides you, Kevin, who else stars in it? What's the story behind it? Uh, Patty, what is Patricia's last name? Damon. Oh, yeah. Patty Damon is my wife. <laughs> I, I play a very forgetful character, so I was just, yeah. I was just being method there, you bastards. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And uh, we have a, uh, a strained relationship. I don't know how much... Uh, I want to give away. Uh, I'll leave that up to Steve, but uh, yeah. well, uh, think, hilarity ensues. Yeah, I think the the original thing, the original idea uh, with the film was um, we were sort of trying to keep uh, the idea sort of under wraps. But I mean, just you know, it, it revolves around a uh, around the the lottery. You know, I mean, I, I, I guess the best thing to just kind of try to keep. A little bit of the plot under wraps to a degree. I mean, we were sort of trying to do that, but at the same time, I partially kind of threw that out the window at some point and was just like, ah, eh, whatever. Who would who we who we who we trying to hide this from? You know what I mean? But uh, but it, the film also stars. Uh, so Kevin and Patricia Damon are the main couple. Um, we also have uh, Ronnie Thompson or Ronnie Thomas. I'm sorry. Uh, she. Uh, she was in uh, Death of Umbrella Salesman as well. She and Dan Truman play the, the neighbors. And then uh, Charlie Tucker, who I've worked with a couple of times before, he plays a pretty um, outlandish character in the film as well. And, you know, it's a little it's it's a, a little 
bit of a surreal bent to it. I mean, we, we kind of like to refer to it as kind of like a live action cartoon. It's that's sort of where it goes, you know, the film. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had a great time filming. We shot it last May, 2019. Uh, we're the course of three weekends and, uh, we had a nice close knit group on our uh, cast and our crew. Uh, we had a, a lot of fun. I mean, I always tried to uh, keep the sets pretty light and, you know, um, try to, you know, we're out there having fun, you know, and we try to keep it light and kind of jokey and, you know, uh, and we had a really good uh, group uh, on, on this one as well as the others, you know, had a, a really good, um, you know, except our uh, our AC, Doug. You're referring to Doug Seidel, the assistant cameraman for Waimea. Who just bled our budget dry for turkey sandwiches that he wanted around the clock but turkey uh freaking sandwiches <laughs> but, but uh but it was a good good group you know a really good uh group we had a really good time uh, uh making this film you know and hopefully people enjoy it when they watch it oh you were inspired steve to make waimea based on several short films you saw at festivals that showed death of an umbrella salesman Though they were all dramas, you noticed one major thing that subverted the audience's expectation for them. Talk about that and how, in a comedic sense, you sought to accomplish that for Waimea. I, I kept seeing these films that ours played with, these other short films, that always seemed to be kind of trying to... They were all dramas and they were all sort of trying to manipulate the audience in a sense to make you believe something horrible was going to happen to a certain character. And then there would always be the sort of twist where you'd realize like, oh no, what I've been thinking this whole time is not what's going on. It's actually, this is going on. And, um, you know, like my brain for the most part, like I, I saw probably three or four of these films and they weren't bad films. They were good films, but I just kept seeing this and it was just like, you know, kind of bizarre to me that these films just kept having sort of the same scenario, like without giving anything away about our film necessarily. But, um, you know, for example, there was a short film. Um, and if you saw these other short films that I'm referring to, uh, and then you saw our film, YMA, you would see there'd be no question that that inspired our film, you know? because I literally stole some ideas directly from them. But, uh, like, for instance, there was this one film to kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about, where it was this guy with um, walk, coming home to his apartment with his walking his dog. And he comes to his apartment, and as he gets to his apartment, his neighbors, or his apartment building, his neighbors are all out there waiting for him, and they all greet him, and they're all, you know remorseful oh we're sorry we heard the news blah 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 blah. and he's like you know and he's down he's like it's okay you know it'll be all right and they're like well we thought we'd come over to try to cheer you up and they all go to his apartment and they're trying to cheer him up and try to get his mind off the things and he's just looking kind of you know um you know down and sad and everything and he keeps looking over at his dog you know and and then you come to realize that you know, you think he's got an, basically the film leads you to believe that he's got another dog that died and, you know, him and the dog are missing the other dog. And then you realize in the film that, oh no, this dog we've been seeing the whole time is dead. It's just his memory of it. That's there, you know? 
So there was like all these these films sort of like that that were kind of playing with your emotions and what have you. But my brain, you know, always a kind of lot goes. of them. There were so yeah. many of them. There were. Yeah, you saw a, a couple of them as well. And uh, and I remember seeing this one. It might have been the dog one actually. Me and and Doug Turkey Sandwich, our AC. We were we after the screening of this one block of short films. He and I were outside talking before we parted ways. And I was talking about that dog. This is where the idea came from. I was talking about that dog film. And this was after having seen like four of these, you know, on other festivals, other days and stuff. But I just kind of remember saying to him something like, you know, if I had made that film, I probably would have done this like a joke, like, you know, making a joke, like a, turning it into a comedy. And, and that just kind of sparked the idea. And I just started thinking about it. And, and that's what kind of inspired uh this film you know and just kind of decided to put like a comedic bent on it you know and just kind of try to sort of trick the audience into thinking they're about to see something but it turns out it's something completely different you know i don't know i feel like i just rambled on forever i don't know it's it's fine (laughs) yeah it's totally okay steve kevin as an actor how does subverting an audience's expectations play into what you do in this film uh well, in this film, um, I don't think that I subvert the audience's expectations at all. A lot of the uh, unexpected uh, narrative of the film, I think, comes through in the editing and Steve's choices of um, color and black and white and color saturation. And uh, the, the technical aspects of this film, I told it to Steve and he just always says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh <laughs> This is the most complex film I've ever worked on. It doesn't, I mean, I've done everything from student films on up to working with Luc Besson. The famous director, Luc Besson, whose film, The Family, you appeared in with Robert De Niro. And the, the skill required to make this film uh, is unparalleled. Uh, and he, he put it together really well post, but just the act of getting it shot. The, um, yeah, it, it, it's, an, it's an impressive feat. And if, uh, you know, secondary to the story, I think filmmakers, if they take a step back and check this thing out, we're going to go, you know, how did he get that done um, in one room? Yeah, we, we, uh, we did some uh, pretty cool, we, we, we did some pretty cool, like, set, de- set design. Like, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Steph Hulse, she came in and did some set design. We basically turned a kitchen in a house into like a one bedroom apartment and it, and it's you know i mean it's pretty believable you know i mean i don't think you would if you saw the film and had no idea you'd probably be sure that that was actually in an apartment instead of a house you know and um and uh you know we i think what the one thing we did on this film that i hadn't done much in the past before and i think going forward i would always do this is we we did rehearsals i've done rehearsals a couple of times but not a lot um but because this one there were a lot of technical aspects like what kevin's talking about that had to be kind of really figured out ahead of time uh we we did rehearsals with mainly with the main part of the film with kevin and patty and i also brought john mastriano our dp he came that day as well and he brought his camera and we basically kind of did like pre-visualization, visualizations, or however you say, um, of uh, the whole film. Like we, we literally in our rehearsals kind of not only blocked it with the actors, but we were also doing like camera blocking 
so that when I usually storyboard a lot too, but also, you know, we, I, you know, we filmed some of this stuff so that the, the rehearsal, so that when we got on the set, you know, there was a lot to do and there were a lot of little, you know, details we had to get right. Um, that we were able to like, when we were on set, we were like, we have to do this shot and I, we could just pull it up. Like me and John could sit there and I'd be like, this is the shot we're doing right now, John. Like, and he, we'd watch what we did in the rehearsal and we watched how we did the camera blocking with the actors and it just be, and it, so it just made things work a lot smoother and, and we were able to do a lot more, uh, work in a day than maybe we would have otherwise, you know? As we discussed earlier, though the film festival scene is pretty much done for this year, given the pandemic, what plans do you have for the film now, despite that? We, again, we, we were done submitting to festivals before this started. And, you know, once you submit to these festivals, you can't, I mean, you can pull your film if you want to, but you're not going to get your money back. So, you know, we have to kind of go through the festival circuit uh you know i think the last film that we the last festival i think that we are that we submitted for is i think in the fall in october or november so we kind of have to wait this out and just see how things go until we've gotten the last word from the last festival that we submitted to uh, and ride it out but ultimately you know the film will end up you know we will be on amazon prime uh, so people can watch it on there. Death of an Umbrella Salesman's up there. Our, all their other, other films are up there as well. Um, so people can watch that if they have Prime. But um, but yeah, I mean the festival circuit. I mean you know there's still you know there are some that have, like I said have just canceled, and there are some that are happening later that are still kind of holding out hope that maybe they'll be able to hold their event. But you know I, I just. I just don't see how that's going to happen, really. You know, um, I feel like if any any festival that's going to happen this year is most likely going to be uh, streaming online, you know, and, you know, it is what it is. There's nothing really much we can do about it at this point. Like I said, we, we were done submitting, so we have to ride it out, uh, you know, in a different scenario. I would have just put it up on Amazon and let it just be there and live there, you know. So Steve and Kevin... What have you been up to lately, not just in terms of work, but also personally, especially given the COVID-19 pandemic striking this year and the impact that it's had on the film industry? Let's start with you, Steve. Well, uh, right now, well, pretty much, you know, things have kind of ground to a halt. You know, my my quote unquote regular gig is working on TV productions and those have all kind of come to a halt they're starting now to kind of gear back up there are a few here and there that are uh returning to production and stuff but the crews are pared down um you know i i mean most of the people who i've worked with my friends who work in this field or whatever i mean as sad as it may sound most of us kind of feel like we're probably not going to work for the rest of the year you know i mean as shocking as that may sound but it, you know it's just they're still trying to figure out you know how to kind of handle stuff like that going back into production there's a lot of variables to it you know and you have to kind of be safe and you have to you know watch out for people's uh, health and what have you and uh it's not 
you know, there's especially when you're if, if you're dealing with like those kinds of shows, even though a lot of them that I work on aren't union, you know, they still have, you know, uh, restrictions that they have to follow, you know, um, so because there's insurance involved and what have you. So, I mean, you know, it's not an easy thing and they're still trying to figure figure that out. So, I mean, for like my paycheck gig, I'm just kind of, you know, hanging, wondering, you know, when when we're going to get back to things you know uh we were working on getting ready to shoot a another short we were or we were gearing up to kind of do some pre-production on another short film and that all kind of got scrapped you know when this all hit um so you know i mean i've been like a lot of us you know a lot of us we've just been writing you know trying to write in hopes that like when we're able to we'll have stuff to go out and film you know and that's especially um prevalent given the fact that you've been working on reality tv oh yeah 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 for sure you know it's i mean i have a friend who just went back to a friend of mine who i was writing the script with he uh just w got a gig like a two-week gig on this uh game show uh card sharks and they're you know they they were gearing up for their new season when this hits and then they had to go dark and now they just kind of got the okay to go back into production so he's working on that right now for like they're doing like a full season in like two and a half weeks but you know i was talking to him over the weekend he was just telling me you know some of the you know everything like i mean they're getting tested for covid like every couple of days you know there's all kinds of you know like you have to wear wristbands so you're allowed to go in this area you're not allowed to go in that area but right. it's all crapshoot anyways because it's like if one of them suddenly gets sick it's like everybody in their department has to leave the job and then who did they interact with and then that might have you know so it's it, it's nuts man it's re it's really nuts I don't, I don't know how stuff is really kind of gonna pan out you know could you tell our audience in case they're not familiar what reality based shows you've been working on yeah I mean the the last one that I did we shot about four months up in the Northwest Territories in Canada. Beautiful up there, man. I mean, we were out in the middle of nowhere. It was a spinoff of a TV show that's on uh, History Channel called Alone, and we did like a spinoff uh, called Alone the Beast, which nosedived right after it premiered. I mean, the ratings, I guess, were terrible. But, um, but uh, we were up there like living in the middle of nowhere i mean you know and it, it was amazing an amazing experience we were living in tents we were you know uh i think like an hour the closest town to us was an hour plane ride away you know there was no roads just that you could drive into town or anything like that you know our food all of our supplies came in by a plane twice a week um but it was an amazing experience you know and i've been pretty lucky with a lot of these you know i've traveled to you know, all over the world with some of these shows. But, you know, I've done, you know, a lot. I've done different shows down there in Baton Rouge, of course. We did, uh, I was pretty much living there for a better part of two years, working on a show called uh, Killing Fields, which was like a police, uh, you know, cold case show, um, which was great. You know, I loved it down there. I mean, I, I you know, I, I loved spending time there in Baton Rouge. I miss it a lot, you know. Um, but uh especially the the cove hawaiian grill that's my place man. <laughs> but uh but um you know i've worked on you know luck i've luckily not worked on a ton of those like drunk people yelling at each other shows i have worked on some of them but not as many you know but um 
you know, I've, I've worked on uh, different shows like, uh, you know, the, um, I don't know, my brain's fried. <laughs> I can't just think of what, you know, okay. but, you know, it, it's I've done, like, you know, I did a really cool one up in Ithaca, New York. Uh, with veterinary students, which was really cool, you know, and interesting, you know. So you get some of those occasionally, where where the show you're, it's something you're not like embarrassed to tell people you're working on, and then you work on shows like Housewives of wherever, and uh, you know, <laughs> hey, I get to go to Italy because of that, but you know, it's nothing. I'm like bragging bragging about the show that I'm working on, you know. Kevin, how has this shutdown impacted you, given the fact that you were an actor and actors have been among the people that have taken it most harder yeah i mean most of my friends are completely out of work um acting just has been non-existent uh you know people aren't uh, people aren't having auditions at all much less shooting anything so it's been a, a just a complete blank period that being said my agent has asked everybody on her roster um do they want to audition as predict production starts ramping back up and uh, she said, you know, she totally understands if we don't. Um, and so I told her I, I personally would rather not audition even if something does come up through at least August until things maybe seem a little bit clearer. Um, but that being said, there have not been any there hasn't been anything coming up other than a couple of home auditions and voiceovers and things and things like that. Um, luckily, my other life, I have a day job that I did not lose and my wife did not lose her job. So we've been really, really fortunate throughout all this. So that's pretty much how you're keeping busy aside from the acting. And I have a seven year old. Every filmmaker and actor, as we've discussed in one way or another, has been affected by the shutdown. Yet at the same time, Filmmakers and actors have taken this opportunity to be even more creative and to produce content in ways that otherwise would not have been imagined before, like Zoom video conferencing. How has this moment in time where we are now affected you both personally and in terms of your careers? Um, well, I, I mean, I, I know people are doing things like that, you know, trying to... I mean, you know, if I had some ideas like nothing's really come to me nothing's it hasn't really sparked any kind of real um you know creative thought or idea like that's something that i could maybe shoot on my own or what have you or just like something like that um i know people are i know i'm sure there are plenty of like younger filmmakers out there who are all like kind of sharing an apartment and they're probably like hey you know we're stuck in this apartment let's work on some sketches or you know, what have you. And, uh, and that's great. And all, um, you know, I, I, it, nothing re like that is really kind of crossed my mind. I, I've thought about it a little bit, but, th but I also kind of, you know, have this kind of opinion of, um, I feel like the, the, the mark, like this short film, we were kind of going to go into pre-production on in like February. I mean, we were, we were sort of looking at locations and stuff like that and kind of figuring some things out. And it, it's something that uh, me and a friend of mine, Chad Goldditch, wrote probably like four years ago. And after I finished YMA, I wanted to do another film sooner than later. So I talked to him. I said, hey, why don't we dig that script up and maybe let's see if we can uh, do something with it. And, um, and the script has something to do with like, you know, a disease wiping out the country. And the minute this happened... 
you know, I, the first, my first thought was like, I think we have to change this because my feeling is, is that it, there's just the, the marketplace, so to say, is just going to be like inundated with all these films about people dealing with this situation or something similar to it or post-apocalyptic versions of it and stuff. And I just felt like, you know, we do this film, people are just going to like roll their eyes and be like, oh, Jesus, another one. You know, like I was talking about uh, this film festival we're involved in right now, the Jersey Shore Film Festival. They had a little Zoom kind of uh, filmmakers like kind of meet and greet over the Zoom the other night. And I, I sort of said the same thing there is like, it, it, you know, when this all hit, like I remember like. The, the main the big movie that everybody was watching was that contagion is that what it's called contagion or whatever yeah, and everybody was watching that and i was just like that's the last thing i want to i want to be watching is that you know i'd rather watch you know some stupid comedy or something to take my mind off of this so we had this film and you know my my feeling was like we need to change this because there's just going to be so there's the there's just going to be a flood of these kind of films revolving around this and I was like, you know, we got to do something different. We kind of came up with some ideas and we changed the script completely, you know, to avoid it feeling like it had anything to do with this or was inspired by this. And I mean, I have nothing against people using this as inspiration to do something. You know, if I had a great idea of somebody dealing with this and being sitting in an apartment or what have you, you know, I'd probably jump at the case at, at the chance to do that. But it just really hasn't inspired me to do anything like that or to, you know, rethink uh, how can we film something right now in these situation in this situation or anything. You know, I think a lot of us are out there's I think there's the two mindsets. There are some people who are like, hey, you know, like we're stuck in this house. Let's try to make a film or I've got an idea for a little film, you know, that we can shoot on Zoom or whatever, you know, what have you. And uh and then I think there's the other mindset where people are like, I'm just going to work on projects. I'm going to write whatever and ho and preparing for like, hey, when this subsides or when it's OK for us to go out and shoot again, I'm, I'm going to have the script ready. You know, I got more time now to spend on the script and just kind of make it as good as it can be or what have you, you know. What was the name of the script that you were working oh, on? The other the other one is uh, it, that, that film was called uh, Trust. You know, who knows if and when we'll do that. We start. We started working on a feature. We, we've taken this time to start working on a, a feature script, you know, because, um, you know, we've done we doing these shorts for a while. And it's like, you know, we've kind of been putting off trying to make the leap to making a feature. And it just kind of, you know, we sort of feel like, oh, we've got this idea now that maybe it's something we can do with a smaller budget and um and so we, you know, we've been kind of concentrating on working on that feature script. We just finished our second draft, and right now we're kind of taking our break. He, Chad, he just went to work on that game show, so we've got, you know, like a little two-week breather to kind of, you know, read the this this latest draft and kind of make our notes before we dive back in to do another version of it. Kevin, how has this moment in time impacted you? What is it? What? How has it impacted you? And how has it ultimately helped you to, I guess, become a better actor and to be more resourceful given where we are? Well, I mean, I live in Sunnyside, Queens, New York, and Queens, of course, is truly the heart uh, of all this, you know, with uh, 
truckloads of dead bodies surrounding Elmhurst Hospital. And uh, so it's been a little bit close to home for me. Um, I've, you know, video or movies shot on iPhone only and shot over Zoom. They're, they're just so gimmicky to me. They always have been. It's not something I've been particularly interested in. Um, I took part in a podcast that was the first podcast that was picked up by this uh, new uh, streaming platform called Quelly. Um, so that was fun. But yeah, again, I haven't been bored. My wife and I are still both trying to work full time. And my son was going to school until the you know, end of June from home. So I have not been bored at all uh, and needing any sort of creative outlet. I, I I feel for my friends that are completely out of work and and wondering what they're how they're going to pay their rent and, and buy groceries. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate that they're looking for a creative outlet. But Honestly, I I haven't been, and um, you know, just in general, overall, I've I've taken a bit of a step back from uh, acting somewhat to uh, spend more time with my family, and just because I've become somewhat disillusioned with the power of Hollywood to uh, make change for the better. Uh, Hollywood is pretty much a part of the oligarchy, and they're they're really not helping out the working actor. You know, SAG just signed a new talent agreement, and. The, the people at the top of the food chain don't care because they don't it doesn't mean anything to them and the people at the bottom of the food chain aren't working so it's tough what's the podcast that you were doing uh, the name of it is the trial of Jeff David it's about a uh, really interesting murder trial that occurred in 1877 um, and uh, as far as I know it's currently only available on quelly.tv k-w-e-l-i.tv um, but uh fascinating case i had never heard of before so it's a historical reenactment over uh, six episodes yeah i mean it's you know again you know this little filmmakers roundtable that i w- was a part of the other day with the the film festival um the festival director kind of you know he he'd hoped the conversation was about how can we kind of what you're referring to it, it was you know he really wanted the topic to be about how do we, um, you know, he wanted it to almost be like a think tank of like, how are we going to be creative under these kind of, you know, stipulations or how can we move forward and be creative and think of different ways to film under these circumstances and everything. And, and, you know, and I said, it's like, you know, I mean, sure, you know, as an example, you had a scene on a beach with two people sitting, let's say, sitting on a beach and talking to each other. Yeah, sure, you could go down there with, like, a one-man band crew, essentially, with the one actor, and shoot all of their shots, you know, and then maybe go back later that day or the next day with the other actor and then just shoot all of their coverage and, you know, edit them together as if they were, and you would never know they weren't on the beach together. But at the same time, it's like, you know, most directors are going to look at that and be like, well, you know, how am I going to do the two-shot, you know? Like, how am I going to... You know, at some point, I'm going to want to cut to the two of these people sitting on the beach together, you know. And so, you know, how do you do that? You know, and so that's the the kind of tricky thing. And I mean, you know, like I said, there are people out there who are who are doing things and, and you know, are, are thinking of ways to do some stuff. I think for me, it's just that it just I think I think if I had an idea, it's one thing, but I don't want to like kind of force something you know like and for me i'm just kind of sitting here and like when this really first started you know when the streets of new york you know kevin knows this because he was driving around you know i kind of regret not going up to new york 
uh, when when it first hit, when the streets were like a complete ghost town. And just like I was like, if I lived in the city when that happened, I would have with no ideas, I would have at least went out. And I'm sure a lot of people did and just shot some like B-roll of the streets just empty so that, hey, maybe two months from now I have this idea. And it's like, well, hey, I got that footage, you know, but um, but I didn't. But uh, but, you know, so I mean, you know, I, I but for me, I think it's just like I, an idea hasn't really sparked my brain to like, oh, I've got. But if I had an idea of like something like, oh, I could just do this thing and I'll I'll be in it myself and I'll shoot it on my phone, you know, like, you know, whatever. I, I help my nieces and nephews. They, uh, they do like these silly little videos from time to time. And I did help them film a little video, you know, for their YouTube channel um, that I'm editing for them. But uh, it was kind of like a baseball sketch, which was good because it was baseball. So they could all kind of stay away. You know, the three sisters are all related. They're living together. That wasn't a problem. But my nephew didn't. So but we were still able to kind of keep their distance because, you know, it was baseball. So they're not like having to be on top of each other or whatever. So, I mean, you know, there's ways, things like that, you know, that you can kind of get around the social distancing and you know that's an idea where you know it kind of plays into the idea of like well we can film this and they can be, all be in it and but you'll never know they were never sort of standing right next to each other or whatever you know with that in mind have either of you considered potentially doing remote production projects like those we see on zoom and if so do you have any ideas for such projects kevin <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, Steve knows if somebody that I know and respect asks me to do something, I'm in. I'll do it. So uh, as far as me wanting to initiate something, I no. Um, but if someone were to ask me to jump in, sure. And uh, like Steve said, I did drive around the streets of New York when it was totally empty. Uh, I wasn't shooting B-roll necessarily, but just uh, you because blew it, it was man. so you crazy. It. You had your chance. You blew I it. Know. No, well, I mean, I have the footage, but uh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> never mind. I take it back. Well, I think for me too, it's just sort of like what I was just saying. It's like I'm not like I'm not spending my days. I'm working on other projects. I'm not spending my days going like trying to think. Like I got to think of an idea that I can film while I'm locked up. You know, like I need I, I need to take advantage of this and try to be filming something. You know, while I'm locked up that I can do. You know, I, I mean, I, I've been putting my energy into writing stuff that, you know, like, again, that little short we were going to do, you know, we, we have now the time to kind of like work on that. We, we're having some there were a couple of little things about the script we needed to work out. So we have the time to kind of focus and maybe try to get the script, you know, better. And, and we're working on our feature script, you know, so I've been concentrating more on that, you know, uh, than trying to like really think of stuff that I can do in this environment. I think we're all kind of, and maybe foolishly, I don't know, but I think we're all kind of, you know, kind of thinking that like at some point we're going to be able to get back to doing what we were doing and we'll be able to shoot like we were before, as opposed to like, no, this is the new way it's going to be. And you have to figure out, you got to, you should be adapting right now and trying to figure out how you can do this going forward. But I think we're all still kind of like holding out, that hope that like well at, at some point we'll be able to uh you know get back to filming these projects the way they are and like i said earlier you know it's sort of like and and when we're able to it's like we've been spending all this time writing and getting ready 
that we'll be ready to go. We can just jump in and start, you know, getting getting the gears running, you know. Finally, what are your hopes for the success of Waimea, both as a creative project and as a means of entertaining viewers? Well, as always, what I hope is that somebody's going to see this thing and uh, uh, finally get Steve uh, working on a more uh, high-profile projects and and uh, ditto for myself, I suppose. Uh, you know, all it takes is one champion. You know, uh, somebody somebody in a position of power sees your film, thinks it's hilarious, and you know, puts in a good word for you. That that that's how things work, and so. Um, you know, Steve's been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time. And uh, he, at least, is worthy of more recognition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we know you're not. But um, anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, we do these films. We want people to see them. We want people to watch them. We want them to enjoy them. You know, I mean, uh, you know, that's, you know, the... Uh, we the think fact, it's funny. Yeah, you know, the, uh, the Louisiana International Film Festival is a good example. I mean, that that crowd that we had there i mean i remember our film screen with because we shot death of an umbrella salesman down there in baton rouge our films even though i wasn't a local our film screened as part of a block of films by you know filmmakers from baton rouge and it was and the screening was really early on a saturday i think was it like 11 a.m or something and when i mm -hmm. saw that that's where we were going to be screening i was like oh jesus man who's going to come out you know to that thing and meantime it was like a packed house i mean it was like in a regular movie theater there was probably 150 people there or something like that and uh you know it was just amazing to be in that see the film and play in a crowd like that you know and um so you know that's what you know you want is people to just enjoy it i mean i, I love hearing from people you know once in a blue moon i I hear from somebody who watched the film and they say they liked it or whatever and that's always makes you feel good you know the film, uh, you know, it, you know, we've done, we've done our part, you know, I mean, other than trying to get eyes on it and try to get some attention to it, it's like, it's, it's done, it's out there, you know, it's nothing more we can do with it, you know, um, you know, I, I mean, it's, you know, you hope to use it as like a, a representation of what you can do or, or, you know, like what Kevin's talking about to kind of entice maybe some other people to to be interested in working with us on something else, you know, so that's a plus. I mean, the other one thing we didn't talk about at all that the pandemic really like the one thing going forward that I really wonder how things are going to, you know, go with is, you know, like I've never used uh, crowdfunding for, for any of my films. And, you know, as you know, a lot of people do. And my thinking was always that I, I'd never wanted to use it on a short film because I felt like, well, we can, we can cover these out of pocket with our own money. Like, you know, we try to keep the budgets as low as we can. I mean, they do cost a couple grand, but we're able to kind of cover that out of our own pocket. But if we were ever to make a feature film where the budget would be uh, much, much, uh, much more than that, you know, that's when I would sort of take the crowdfunding. And I felt like, you know, I, I'm not going to go to people, you know, trying to raise money for a short film because I wanted to save that in the in the event that we were going to do a feature someday because I don't you know because I felt I always felt like you have one shot to hit these people up for money and I didn't want to waste it on a short that I could probably pay for out of my pocket I'd rather save it and wait for a feature well now you know with everything that's going on and people don't really have the dough like I wonder 
you know, like how's that going to affect crowdfunding going forward? You know, like the people who kind of used it for uh, trying to raise money. Like now I think, oh boy, man, I don't know if that's going to really even be an option in the future, you know? So, you know, and, and these films kind of, you know, are, are also, you know, we're not making them for that reason, but they're also the things to show people that like, hey, look, you know, we're not just some idiots goofing around in the backyard. Like we're, you know, making these things, as, you know, there's, you know, trying to represent like, look, you know, we're serious about this. We can do good work, you know, so there was Quality. that. But again, I don't know that that's even going to be an option, you know, going forward. Who knows, you know. Well, regardless, I wish you guys all the very best of success with Waimea and with all your other creative projects going forward. Steve Harold is the co-writer and director of Waimea, and Kevin Kolak is the co-star of Waimea. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the Viewfinder podcast today to talk to me about Waimea and about everything that you're doing right now creatively, despite the pandemic. And I wish you all the best of success with everything. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Chris. That's the Viewfinder podcast. I'm Chris Hadley. Until next time, please stay safe, stay healthy, and stay put.